amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Dropping Downs Podcast, the show where we talk about all things basketball. I'm your host, Rodrigo, but you can call me Rod. And today we have a very, very special show because we have an incredible guest joining us. She's a filmmaker, a baller, a crazy super fan, the mastermind behind a film that has made its way all around the world. She's the writer and director of The Grizzly Truth, Kat Jamie. Kat, welcome back to Dropping Devs. How's it going? It's good to be back, Rod. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for taking the time to, to talk with us. And, you know, we're going to talk about, obviously, The, the Grizzly Truth and this amazing film that, that you put together. And, you know, we'll, we'll, what a journey it's been, right? I think that's uh, the understatement of the of the century potentially for you and, and this film yeah it's been a, it's like such a, a whirlwind and i can't believe that it's it's kind of coming you know the chapters is close is coming to an end yeah speaking of the, the grizzly truth and diving right into it uh you know I, after the the great success that was finding big country i wonder you know the, the the grizzly truth came about right away or was this something that you know you had to lead up to after mm -hmm. finding a big country no, I, I always wanted to tell the full story of the Grizzlies. Finding the Country was actually supposed to be like the full story, supposed to be a feature length film where I combined telling Brian's story and the story of the Grizzlies all in one. Um, but because of time constraints, because of budgetary constraints, um, we just said, okay, let's just make Finding the Country a short film. Um, but I still always want to make the full film. So even Finding the Country was literally supposed to be a 20 minute film. And then in the edit room, it just became, we let it just be whatever it needed to be, which was, which was, I think like 43 minutes long. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So even like, you know, when I was interviewing Bryant, um, I, there were questions that I asked him that I knew, okay, this isn't going to be for finding my country. This is going to be for the feature film I want to make after mm -hmm. this. Um, so yeah, it was always something that I wanted to do. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> finding my country was a step to achieving that goal because I, uh, it opened a lot of doors for me. Um, and it was a way easier sell. The Grizzly Truth was an easier sell. It still took two years to get fully funded, but it was uh, yeah. an easier sell because of the success of Finding Big Country. So we right, had right. like stats that we could show, like this many people watched it on these platforms and this is all the press that we got, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, you mentioned about opening doors, right? And on on the poster of the of the Grizzly Truth, we saw Super Grizz dressed up as a detective, but you really had to follow leads to actually mm -hmm. analyze the evidence and see through people's intentions. You know, it was mm -hmm. I'm sure it was one thing what they told you, but you know, there's obviously you know we all have baggage behind us. But how was that experience of you know trying to find the truth behind the, the Grizzlies move to to Memphis while having to you know face and interrogate your your heroes really i definitely struggled with being filmmaker and fan it was something that was very um difficult to navigate and thankfully i had a really great team that could pull me back when i was going into some like down some uh rabbit holes that you know 
might not be super interesting for because you know this is a movie it's i wanted to make a movie obviously for grizzly fans but this has to this has to reach a wider audience you know so um no it was it was at times very difficult um but as you said like just i did so much research um and so many talked to so many people who and everyone had their own version of what happened and so i felt like it was my job to figure out okay like someone's saying this and someone's saying this maybe the truth kind of lies somewhere here in the middle um and you know i I, we interviewed over we had sit down interviews with over like 50 people i had zoom calls with over 20 people i like not like not even an exaggeration like hundreds of research calls so you know i when i make a documentary um i try to do as much much research as i can and i want to talk to everyone and anyone that will talk to me about the topic just so i can yeah. you know just be sort of like a, a you know an encyclopedia of information when it comes to the grizzlies and you know you already mentioned you know the, the amount of people that you talked to and we saw a few of them on, on the grizzly truth but what was the biggest challenge in trying to find you know these nba former players gms and and all the people that are were part of of this process yeah i mean uh thankfully again finding big country was was really great because a lot of people had heard about the film already and if they hadn't you know i would introduce myself you know whether 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 it be like on through dms or email or linkedin and be like my name is kat i made a film called finding big country here's a link and they could watch it and get a sense of who I was, who I am as a person. So it was kind of like a really great calling card almost just to yeah. like watch this. And, you know, this is and, and they could kind of see how how I felt about the Grizzlies, how I treat my subjects with Bryant. Um, but uh, no, it was it was quite difficult at times, even still, like we went we went went into the last shooting block. So, OK, I, like we premiered the film in October we filmed this was it in april like we were we were already editing as we were going and we still hadn't found steve francis we still hadn't interviewed sharif Abdurrahim, and we still hadn't nailed on a time to interview Stu jackson so the very last shoot of the film we got majority of the story and i was part of the prime suspects of the the film yeah exactly you can't it's like it wouldn't be a complete film without any with if you were missing one of those people like you don't have a complete story so i was stressing out like nuts like i was so stressed um trying to figure especially with steve francis like how how am i supposed to get in touch with steve francis yeah Um, so that was you know and thankfully again all the stars aligned and uh yeah and then you know, the rest is, it, thankfully it worked out. It worked out for us. We're talking about Steve Francis. So I'm, I'm going to jump ahead to talk about him because you showed us a side of Steve Francis that, that had never been seen before, or at least not so publicly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how did it feel to be able to share, you know, this side and of, of a person that was considered an absolute villain here in Vancouver yeah. and, you know, all this bad rep that he somewhat, you know, he didn't really warrant at the end of the day, but how, how did it feel to be able to show him as, as a human, let alone a player? Yeah, I mean, Steve has become a really great friend of mine, which is the coolest and weirdest thing to like say out loud, um, you know, because I we used to watch him at GM Place and like, you know, pe- we would boo him, like we would all boo him. And yeah. 
you know, I think it was, it's just, um, it, it's been really a real privilege and it's been really special to get to know him as a human being and, um, you know, call like be able to call him a friend. And Steve has been so great in helping promote the film. He came to Vancouver for the premiere. He traveled to Toronto, he came out to Toronto when the Grizzly Trees premiered, um, he did our theatrical release. He he he'll, like he's like he does, you know, if I have an interview that I need to get done, like I'll be like, hey, you know, so and so wants to talk. Are you like, you know, no pressure, but like, are you are you free to chat with this person? And he's always yeah. down. So, you know, as as uh, you know, this is my biggest film to date. Um, and as someone who, you know, never really didn't have any ties to the NBA, or you know, you know sports media necessarily um, having having these these NBA players um, be a part of the project, vouch for you, and agree to help you know do these these things is is huge for for me in the film. So you know, I, I have immense gratitude towards like Steve and all the other players who who helped me on this journey. I was lucky enough to be there for for the premiere uh, here in Vancouver, and I remember. Uh, as, I, as as the film was about to start, someone out there in the crowd was like, "I heard Steve Francis was going to be here," and I was like, "No way!" I was. You didn't know, with, Rod. He didn't. I know. didn't know. I didn't know. And you know, I I was upstairs already. I didn't see anyone coming through the doors, right? And I heard that, and I was like, "Get out!" Like, you know, I, I even turned to uh, Evs, the, the yeah. master, and I was like, and I choked around. I said, "This is how rumors start." Um, and Did anyways. You know? No one knew, at least, you know, Cam, shout out to Cam as well. Yeah. Um, Cam. We didn't yeah. know. And, you know, I was joking around. But then, you know, after the, the fantastic experience, I was watching the movie, we get to Q&A, we see, you know, you brought all the players. And then yeah. there's this pivotal moment in, in the night where you introduce a special guest. And I'm like, I remember just holding Evans from the arm, just clenching him from the arm and be like, no, no, this is not true. This is not true. And you introduced Steve Francis to the Vancouver crowd after the film and everything. You know, we saw his journey and everything. Uh, very few boos, you know, but mm -hmm. it was an overwhelming positive response to Steve Francis. Mm -hmm. But I, I wonder, and I don't know if you were able to probably tell you were probably, you know, in, in a thousand places at the same time. Yeah. But do you know what Steve was feeling about or how was he feeling about facing the Vancouver crowd and taking, yeah. you know, this center stage? Yeah, I mean... You know, major props to Steve for coming to Vancouver. Like, uh, you know, after all these years, um, like he, he was really, it was really brave of him to do that. And I was, oh my gosh, I was so nervous. Like days, you know, the week leading up, days leading up, the day of, because also Steve hadn't watched the film yet, so I wasn't oh, sure okay. how. Like, you know, is he gonna like it? Is he gonna not like it? Um, is he gonna, you know, I was like, I hope, we, I hope he feels like we did his story justice. Um, and so I was so, and Steve was sitting right in front of me during the screening. So I could like, so I was just watching his body language and the scene where I come up to him and I'm so nervous, like in the movie uh, and I'm talking to camera, like saying how nervous I am about to like, you know, ambush Steve Francis. He was laughing so hard. So I was like, <laughs> like that's awesome uh, so I was like really relieved um and no you know I mean we didn't really talk I mean I, I've spoken to I've seen him since um that screening but we haven't really talked about it but I, I I know that it was um I know that it was and I'm sure it was was hard 
but I also think that it was like a healing thing for him. You know, he got to re he got to see people from the Grizzlies organization that he hasn't seen in years, but still remembers. Um, you know, from that very very short brief meeting that they had, whatever twenty plus years ago. Um, and so yeah, and I you know Steve, I know that he really enjoyed his time in Vancouver, um, and he wants to come back. So you know. I'm hoping that, and Steve is actually like a, a really big advocate for Vancouver getting another team back, you know, um, which is really cool. Like there's not yeah. not too many NBA players who are like, are vocal about it. And now we have Steve Francis, who's, <laughs> you know, who's on board this idea of Vancouver getting an NBA team back, which I think is really, is a, it's a huge thing. So anyway, shout out to Steve Francis. Um, for being part of the film and for coming to the premiere. I hope we can uh, get the chance to see, or that you get the chance to recreate that photo of him holding that Canucks jersey yeah. with the Francis on the back. I thought that was, he, that was amazing, honestly. He got it back. So, um, oh, he got it back? So Debbie Butt, who's the media relations of the Vancouver Grizzlies, uh, her and She husband, was on the film, right? Yeah. She's in the film. She's in Finding Me Country and the Grizzly Truth. Love Debbie. Um, her husband wore the Steve Francis jersey, the Canucks jersey, to the screening. Oh, no way. And not, not, uh, with no, there was like no intention to give it to him. Yeah. But after the screening, um, you know, after watching it, after hearing Steve's story and, you know, hearing all the players talk after the screening, she was like, I need to give this back to them, back to him. Wow. So they had a really, really beautiful moment uh, when, yeah. So, so Debbie was able to give back uh, this, this jersey that's been in her closet for the past 20 years. I mean, talk years. about going full circle here. Like, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And Steve, like Steve, told, like oh, like Stebby, um, If there's one person that everyone in the organization remembers, like all all, all the players, it's Debbie Butt. So Steve Francis even like even remembered Debbie. So uh, yeah, that was a really special moment that they shared. That's amazing. I mean, I I don't get starstruck easily, but that was definitely a moment where I was just like, I cannot believe my eyes that I that Steve Francis is here in Vancouver. It, you know, I I. As a Lakers fan, I didn't like Steve Francis because he was when he was with the Rockets, like amazing player. You know, he was a like I like to call certain players like a Laker killer. He would yeah. go out and ball out against the Lakers. And when I moved here to Vancouver, I learned to hate Steve Francis for ditching the Grizzlies. So yes. I had this like unfounded hatred for him. And after seeing the movie, I was just like, I am absolutely wrong about this guy. Like, you know, we we hate him for all the wrong reasons. Mm. Right. Uh, but let's talk about the, the other prime suspect in this investigation, uh, Stu Jackson, mm -hmm. who you were also uh, interviewed for for the Grizzly Truth, and he shared a lot of the of the pressures that it is to be a, a general manager and the challenges that he faces when you know not only managing but trying to put a competitive team together. Uh, and there was that part of you know the the promo video for season ticket holders about uh, a losing team and all. Yes. Uh, what, what does that mean, basically, you know, to, you know, the, the future is bright, but do you think that people bought that message about, you know, like, eh, you know, we're getting there, just give us more time? I mean, it's, it's, it's such a funny video. And obviously, like, Stu, like, Stu didn't necessarily write that script, right? right like, right. this is a media, like, you know, but it's still such a, like, we found it and we just, I thought it was so endearing and so funny. And we're like, this, you know, this needs to be in the film somehow. Um, but like, you know, it is, it's funny and it's kind of cheesy, but like what he's saying and the message of whoever's concept idea that was, is true. 
right? Like six years is is such a short time for a team, yeah. any team, um, especially when you when you're handcuffed that early on, when you have all these rules that you have to abide by that make zero sense, um, right? And that kind of set you up to be bad the first few years, um, and you know, um, what was I gonna say? Like all the players that I spoke to were like, we were getting better. We were like, we were like, you know, and there's that sequence that, that proves that like losing, yes, yeah, Stu was, was right. They were getting better. They were starting to learn from, from everything that, that they had been through and losing is learning. It, like it's, again, it's such a funny segment, but it's like, that's probably the best, uh, life lesson that I've, I've ever learned in my life. Um, you know, it's, it is a powerful statement. Um, the one thing that I wish we had time to go, go over in the film, we just didn't have time. And it was also not the most interesting is the lockouts. Right. That's actually like, there were two lockouts within the, during the Grizzlies tenure here in Vancouver. And that actually is probably one of the main things as to why the Grizzlies left town. And when the Grizzlies were starting to get better, the lockout hit them. And the, and so that was a huge thing. So we just didn't have time, you know, the, it, it, you, you have an hour and 30 minutes or the yeah. film's an hour and 30 minutes. There's six years to cover, you know, we didn't even like, you know, some people who don't know um, that I've made Finding McCountry are like, what about Brian Reeves? And then later on, like in the thread, it was like, <laughs> I was wondering about Brian Reeves, but then I saw that she's made like another film called Finding McCountry. So it's like, you know, we, there is not even enough time to talk about Brian's story within the yeah. hour and 30, right? Which is another like and it could be another movie and it it is another movie so there's just there's so much there's so much that happened and went wrong for the grizzlies and we kind of just had to pick like okay what what's the most interesting what will be the most fun to explore for a film um because at the end of the day this is a like we're making we're telling a story right so and I think that was also another, to me at least, one of the pivotal moments in the movie when you actually have evidence that, you know, they were getting better, right? Yeah. And nowadays, you know, in the in this 2010s, 2020 eras where, you know, it's trust the process, right? Look, look at Philadelphia, look at other teams, like look at the current uh, Sacramento Kings, right? For decades, they've been terrible. They have the, the longest uh, drought for playoffs in like 14, 15 years, but we were all patient. And now that the Kings are doing well, we're all like, oh yeah, you know, now it's yeah. fun to watch them. But it's like, yeah. so we have time now, but we didn't have time in the past. Like, what are we, you know, and yeah. like you said, like what what was the NBA trying to do? Not, not you know, I don't think there's only one person to blame, but the systems around uh, yes. the Grizzlies were just not allowing them to succeed. No, it's, so true and like you know the reason why there's you know the raptors and the raptors are here today there's two reasons i think um and we touch on one kind of glaze over the other the first is like obviously vince carter right they got they got super lucky with that draft pick the second and it's talked about but very but again it's kind of it's said as a as a side and a footnote when and i don't think it's a footnote it's that the toronto raptors were owned by the teachers pension fund so they had, they had like John, you know, um, John Bitov like talks about this in, in our interview. And that's like, so they had like deeper pockets to, mm-hmm. to weather the storm. So when they, when, the, when we were hurting with the Canadian dollar, they, they had that to fall back on and we didn't. Yeah. And that's huge again. So there's, there's a lot that there are a lot of factors, um, that played into the Grizzlies moving, um, 
and you can't it's just not one person it's just like everything everything that went wrong went wrong <laughs> pretty much sadly sadly yeah, yeah. everything that could yeah. go wrong arguably went wrong yeah yeah so not only have you given us Steve Francis and you know Stu Jackson but then you did what I would argue a lot of Vancouverites that were Grizzlies fans wouldn't dare to do and that is you went to Memphis Mm -hmm. to a, a Memphis Grizzlies game and obviously we saw you shared a little bit on the film what was going through your head but you know can you share again a little bit of what was going through your mind as you entered the, the FedEx Forum in, in Memphis and having yeah. this moment with you know your team but in a different place it was really uh really trippy to be there and I got like I didn't think I like I got emotional like during that that game um and I didn't think I was um and you know it's this uh, the premise of the film it, it's like very lighthearted it's fun it's funny it's goofy it's it's like you know uh but i when i went to memphis and i got emotional like outside the arena i was like oh my gosh like this is like i forget uh it's it's like it's it, the premise of the film can, you can think of it as like a kind of a silly thing, but at the heart of it, it is really true. The Grizzlies really did mean so much to me and so much to me, my family, what it meant to grow up in Canada as a kid, you know, um, as a kid. And uh, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting to get so choked up because I because I think when I was there, I was like, this is like, this is where they are. And this is yeah. like, this is what's this is what we're missing. Yeah. Like imagine if I got to go to continue to go to games with my dad and my grandfather, like, like, how, you know what I mean? So it was, it was super bittersweet. Um, but a lot of Memphis fans um, saw Finding Big Country. So, um, so a lot of, so I, so uh, a lot of them kind of, I guess, you know, saw me in the Grizzlies jersey, saw, saw the camera crew. So they, so, so I, bumped into a lot of people who had seen Finding Me Country. And so I, I felt very welcomed in the arena. Um, and, you know, the, everyone kind of welcomed me with open arms. I got to do so much that uh, I've always wanted to do in a basketball game. Like, got to shoot a, the bazooka. Like, I, like <laughs> I don't know, he's not called Super I don't know, maybe he's called Super Grizz, I don't know. But like, I always wanted to like shoot the, like the bazooka and yeah. I got to do that at this game. Um, and yeah, they, they were just the Grizz, Memphis Grizzlies organization. They were just so accommodating and welcoming. And I definitely want to be back to watch another game. Speaking of, you know, being welcomed, you know, we you introduced us to the other superstar in the film that I, that didn't that is not a player, uh, Antonio Junior. And his dad. Yeah. Uh, so how was it to like, you know, meet a, a Memphis Grizzlies super fan? And, you know, what did it for me is that Antonio Junior says, like, you know, yeah, you had the Grizzlies, but so why can't we share it? Right. And I'm like, I know. My heart. Like, yeah. That's kid, that's mine that gets you. He, yeah. It's like, even when he said it when I was interviewing you, I was like, all right, game over. Yeah. Sure. Like, we can, we can share. Yeah. Why can't we share? Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was so, yeah. They, they were just the two, they were just so, so awesome and so perfect, uh, you know, to, to so perfect for, for, to, to have met them, to be part of the film um and you know i was six when they when the grizzlies came here antonio uh antonio braxton jr has been a fan since he was a baby <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like, he was like, born really yeah so like that like i mean you could argue 
you could even like that's more his team than is mine in some ways because he grew you know what i mean how many years has he yeah. had like i had it for six years um you know and and so i yeah it was i think i think what was so cool about this experience and telling the story of the grizzlies was this thematic um this theme that kept coming up which was funny that a film about the worst team in the nba kind of brought up which is like i think you can apply it to many aspects in life which is like it's not an us versus them yeah. mentality you know like why exactly what antonio braxton jr said like why, why can't we share and you know why can't uh you know what does he say he's he's the sweetest um i, I can't remember the you know the line verbatim but yeah i was like oh, okay like you killed me right there yeah it's, yeah it's still like it's the vancouver grizzlies they just moved down to memphis so maybe exactly. we can share the team i think yeah, that's yeah. what it is yeah he's he's just uh, i don't know future president right there like he's <laughs> full of so much wisdom after all this experience Karen, obviously we don't really have a a guilty party here you know it's what do you mention you know and the things that were on top of that, the things that were not mentioned, you just brought it up, like the lockdown and everything else that happened behind closed doors as well that ultimately brought the team to be moved to to Memphis. But do you think that, you know, maybe there could have been a move or a trade that, you know, could have given, you know, maybe it could have taken the franchise in, in an alternate universe, like could have taken the franchise into the heights to where the Raptors might be now? I mean, yes, yeah, D. Francis. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, and, yeah. and that's the thing, like, I think we were right to, you know, what Stu says, like, it's his job. Like, everyone knocks Stu for picking Steve because Steve didn't want to come here. Mm -hmm. Like, that is Stu Jackson's job, is to pick the best player. And if you start to let other people dictate how, like, how you, how you draft your players, how you pick your players, then every, like, we already were kind of, um, a team that no one took seriously. So if yeah. you start caving into these, these, you know, these people saying these things, then, then we're, you're not, you're going to lose any, like lose all the control. Right. So I think he was right to have picked him. Um, and yeah, do, like I, do I wish Steve Francis came to Vancouver? Yes. But, but now after speaking to him and hearing his story, can I say, I understand, I understand, what you were going through and I understand the, why you had to make that choice. Yeah. But yeah, I think even like, I don't, I don't really buy this Steve Nash, um, that, uh, that draft pick because. Oh God, no, like, I, I'm sorry, like, but it just, that one riles me up because people were like, Oh, we could have picked Steve Nash. Like, no, like, you, I'm sorry, but there's no, in no world would a decent GM would say like, let me trade down all the way. Yes. To, and I think, I'm sorry, I I got worked up, but yeah, we, yeah. when we bring this up, I think people forget that their draft is nothing but a gamble, really. Yeah, you're putting, it is. You're hoping that this 19, 20 year old, some 20 something year old develops into a future superstar. Yeah. So you, from that pool, you try to pick the ones that have the better chance. Yeah. Right. And that is Steve Francis, really. And, a quick rundown of the 99 draft is Elton Brand, Steve Francis, Baron Davis, Lamar Autumn, Jonathan Bender. That's the top five. Like So mm -hmm. already not a super, not the strongest draft out there. Yeah. And if you have the number two pick, you know, you, arguably that's the better spot because you don't have the pressure of being the number one and see what happens there. 
But then who you go for? Baron Davis, decent career for sure. Lamar Odom, same thing. But you know, none of them became franchise players. They were were they absolutely great role players, hundred mm-hmm. percent. But no one up until like you know, un- unless we drilled down and we go into the second round and we go into Steve Nash and all that, I was like, no, there's there's no way. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I I hear you. So. Yeah, I, I I mean, so that that an alternative universe, it would, you know, Steve Francis and uh, we would still have a team here. But you know what? It, it played out the way it did. And um, with that, maybe without Steve Francis, I don't have a I don't have a job. I don't have, I'm, I'm, not <laughs> making, I'm not making movies about the Vancouver Grizzlies. So, yeah. <laughs> and because every time, you know, you bring so much to the conversation around Vancouver getting a team right now, we have a former NBA player in Steve Francis advocating for Vancouver to get a team. And I know we've, you probably get this question ad nauseum, right? You know, are, are you, we actually ready to get an NBA team? I, I mean, yeah, I think so. It just, you know, I've had conversations with people who, who are knowledgeable about this stuff. Um, I've had a few phone calls um, and uh, yeah, I have uh, yeah chatted with, with, you know, people who um who have some influence and it's just like well first of all it's three billion dollars right yeah so you would have to you just have to find the right people to uh you know maybe it's a group that comes together that buys the team it's just it's just a crap ton of money um but i think that that yeah of course i i think that we could totally support a team here we have i think there's the the fan support, um, location, like, like, you know, I think Vancouver is obviously like a, such a beautiful city to, to, to be like an NBA city and to have, I think players would love coming, players loved coming here before, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, um, I, de- I definitely think that, uh, I, I'm, I am hopeful. And I know that even when I say I'm hopeful, it's still such a long shot, but, but I had, yeah, I'm still, I'm still hopeful that it'll happen. Um, I, hopefully in my lifetime, um, knock on wood, maybe we'll see. Um, but you know, if, if whatever, 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, we get a team, um, I'd love to, you know, think that these films helped get the conversation going. If, if a kid is watching these films and is saying, I, you know, I want a team back and they're, they're little and they grow up and they, uh, you know somehow make make bank and yeah. <laughs> become a billionaire and buy a team like that would be i would be so happy even if i don't get to like go to any games i just want a a, a team for the city of vancouver I, I couldn't agree more to what everything you said you know it's and, and I'm, I'm sure that your films will make that difference um every time you know with finding big country I, I saw it now with the grizzly truth we, we all experience it how much the, the conversation around like wait we give up on vancouver too early um, I mean, David Stern mentioned it, you know, rest in peace, but we are the biggest regret in, in the NBA, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, they pulled out too early and um, under this unfortunate circumstances. So I, I do think it's, it's a matter of when, even when, you know, if when takes 10 years, 20 years, yeah, but, uh, it, it's a matter of when, right? Like we have the, the location, we have everything mm-hmm. going on for, for Vancouver for us to not have a team really. Mm-hmm. Other than potential, you know, maybe the politics around all of that. Eh, that's that's beyond yeah. anyone's control. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, Kat, I, I, thank you so much. But before we, we let you go, uh, where can 
anyone, where can fans uh, find the film if they haven't watched it, which I hope that they, everyone has, uh, but for watch it a second, fourth, 20th time. Yeah, no, Um. so we're it's on Crave. You can also rent, purchase it on uh, like Google Play, Apple TV, uh, Teleshaw, Rogers, Cineplex movies. So yeah, we're, we're out there. So definitely, um, you know, give it, give us a watch and uh, I hope you enjoy the film. Kat, again, thank you so much, not only for, you know, for these two amazing films, but for everything that you've done for, for the basketball community here in Vancouver and, you know, for being an inspiration for all of us, you know, creative people out there that, you know, even if you don't have NBA connections, you can still make your dreams come true and, you know, make that basketball passion project, you know, something really big. I love it. Thanks so much, Rod. Thank you so much, Kat. We appreciate your time. Of course. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.